वेलकम टू दिस एडिशन ऑफ क्लैरिटी चैट आई हैव विद मी मनीष गुप्ता द ग्रुप सीआईओ ऑफ आदित्य बिरला ग्रुप ही हैज ब्लेस्ड अ ट्रेल ऑफ स्ट्रेटेजिक आईटी सक्सेसेस ही इज स्ट्रेटेजिक इन अप्रोच वन ऑन वन इन नेटवर्किंग एंड एडॉप्टिव विद कंटिन्यूअस अपग्रेड्स टू हिमसेल्फ इन टुडेज सेशन ही इज गोइंग टू टॉक अबाउट द एसिड टेस्ट फॉर आईटी प्रोग्राम नेटवर्किंग विदाउट सोशल नेटवर्किंग एंड शेडो आईटी and we are going to share with you some experiences from our crm journey together this is the program where manish helped me transition into an it career he believes in being lean by leveraging partners strategically and being a business leader first welcome manish to clarity chat rajesh such a pleasure did you know that 83% of technology implementations fail to achieve expected business outcomes well managing technology is incredibly complex it covers all processes and everything it does impacts people in some way the function is only 3 decades old but changing at the fastest pace technology industry is highly profitable with intense marketing tech companies have the vast majority of the tech talent not you clarity chat purpose is rooted in helping you solve it challenges for business success to help you decode the complexity to help you leverage partners effectively to help you partner with business more effectively to help you manage change better to help you attract talent you get this clarity via experiences of cios and business leaders shared informally and candidly over a cup of tea Welcome to the Clarity Chat podcast. Please share your, you know, life story with us, uh, calling out some inflection points in your career which gave you those first principles of creating success with IT. Maybe just some stories and learning. Now, first of all, thank you, uh, Jigdish, and hi everyone. Hope everyone is keeping safe. Families are safe. These are unprecedented times, and uh, hope everyone is coping with it well. So, Jigdish and I are very close buddies, as uh, you would have guessed, and he's an extremely professional person and uh, very warm, and at the end, a very very wise man. So, it's not easy to have a chat with a with such a wise man in the evening you know i would have preferred a glass of wine to to have this chat but tea is fine as well so it goes back you know and uh, i was a normal sales person selling cars and trucks in south america and then incidentally you know that was after my mba and engineering as <clears throat> most of the people love to do these days and uh, then i incidentally you know accidentally got into it you know when i was uh, given a charge to put our motors on what is called digital it was called e-commerce that time so i had a boss wonderful boss he called me one day and said manish why don't you put our motors on this wonderful uh, you know journey of e-commerce so i couldn't figure out where to start with so i said okay let's figure out the supply chain and i was very naive to be honest means i had no clue about it is and i was no consultant i i you know so just a normal sales guy who knows what's the price of a truck or a, at the time we didn't have car so or a utility vehicle like sumo but so i sat down i said okay let's look at the supply chain uh, we are buying a lot of material we are producing cars and trucks we are selling it through dealers and distributors so i said you know going into factories could be very difficult especially in automotive it's it's a power centers i said let's start from easy ones let's see at the supply chain let's see how we are buying material can we do something 
So I started the e-commerce, you know, the e-sourcing function in Tata Motors. It became a big success. It could save a lot of money there, uh, close to 15-20% in cost, including buying steel on the internet. And imagine, go back, uh, you know, we go back 21 years and say, can you buy steel on internet? And one thing led to the other thing. Then, uh, you know, Jigdish spoke about CRM, we set up the CRM. Uh, then I got full-fledged into IT somehow. And one of the reasons I, I, I've been reflecting as to how I, how I got sucked into IT, I never said no to organizational priorities, you know, in my career. And if you realize over the last 20 years, technology is becoming a big priority for the organization. And everyone is looking for people, I won't call them Balika Bakra, but some people who can do this. So, I, <laughs> so frankly, I was willing to raise my hand all the time and say, Listen, I'm I'm okay to do it. I was like a curious kid, you know, with, with starry eyes. They said, okay, go ahead, do it. And I think that's how I got into it. And once I got into it, I started liking it a lot. So, so it's like, you know, you IT for me became like you die and wake up in heaven one day. So I said, oh, it's not a bad, bad thing at all. And uh, it has a element of curiosity in this. And I was quite sure that, and I was, and Jagdish can remember it, even 20 years back, I said, you know, the time will come and this will become very, very core of the business. There's no reason for that. It's not a support thing at all. And once you have a conviction, I think one step leads to the other one. And uh, that's how uh, I've been, uh, you know, following my my journey, my career journey. Uh, I moved from Tata Motors to a French company and, you know, that itself is a competency to manage French. Then I lived in France uh, and then moved to the U.S., came back to India uh, two years back and, you know, again joined a automotive group and then Aditya Birla group. Uh, and uh, believe me, I have no clue of, uh, of how a cement is made or how aluminium is, is uh, you know, smelted. But I'm learning and uh, and I think I think that's a beautiful part of my job that I get to learn, uh, you know, a lot about new businesses, new business models, everything new. So, so I think that's been the journey so far, just dabbling into multiple things and getting from one thing to the other. And and God has been kind and so has been my wife, you know, so and children and friends. So, so thankfully we are just moving ahead. Yeah, I, you know, I think I uh, I distinctly remember this organization priorities thing that you talked talked about because uh, I remember when three of us were selected for um, my, we were signed up for this CRM program at that time. Uh, I, I think there was this pattern in the organization that there used to be this feeling that you know if you get into a project, you know, it's like you get sidelined and you need to then move out. You know, this very hard for you to come back to to the business, and we still took that plunge, and uh, you know, we still <laughs> made sort of CRM into a function itself. Yeah. And yeah, you know, uh, I, I remember we used to talk about technology in terms of, you know, how it is going to uh, change and, you know, what are some of the, and the many uh, assumptions we made about technology long back, like for example, all applications will be on browser. So way back in 2003, we selected an application which was purely browser based and not a client server based. And that premise was that in future, everything will be on the browser. So yeah, <laughs> so many assumptions which have come right. So going back to those CRM days, you know, one of the things I remember distinctly, you know, we were, we were looking at, you know, what kind of manpower we'll require in terms of, you know, going out to the dealers and uh, doing the training and deployment and, and Manish, I had some ideas, I had not done the maths and, you know, Manish went back to the Excel and, you know, did some detailed maths on that. And then he came back with some number, which was like, you know, we'll require eventually about, uh, I don't know, it was 30 or 50 people. And I was shocked. And I said, how? And, you know, then he showed the 
character analysis and uh, there was no fault in that so you know right from that time i kind of i had this aha that you know the kind of strategic thought process and planning skills uh, you know which uh, manish uses to detail out the big picture and and not just that you know then also detailing it out in terms of working through the organization to execute the plans de risk the program and uh, i think the biggest thing demanding resources from the organization so you know like going out and saying that you know we'll need 50 people to deploy is not a not a not a small ask actually so so manish you know that kind of brings me to uh, you know again the purpose of this uh, one which is you know there are so these are some of the things you know which you have to really work on to make the make a successful program right at the early stage right at the design stage so i reflect on one of our discussions about you know the acid test of program so <laughs> when we were having a discussion about dff you know that programs are designed fail so so talk talk us <laughs> through about your acid test which you put every program through and to make it a to to have a very high success rate in whatever you do yeah you know chigdish uh, thanks for bringing up old memories you know it's been in quite some time though but i think the memories are still very fresh in our own minds because it was kind of one big step we all took at a fairly young age so so for me you know when we uh, when i try to set up any program i think we have to think big and while we may execute on in small chunks which is always there but i think the big picture is very important and the one thing i realized and somebody told me early that manish when you take an approval whether you take an approval of 2 crores or you take an approval of 50 crores the same process and you will be asked the same questions you have to explain the same logic so don't go for asking for 2 crores ask for 50 crores and another reason happens is when you ask for more money or higher chunk uh, the approval process becomes very difficult it goes to people uh, pretty high up and small money goes to people uh, who are not so uh, high up in hierarchy and they have a very different way of looking at things so if you have a big proposal you have a big idea don't let it die at the at the level of accountants you know and take it up and take it up and uh, and and have this conviction that what you are putting up will generate let's say 100 million and you are asking only for 10 million i think nobody is going to say no but don't start by asking 100k or 200k because you know you're not doing justice to your dream or to your idea or to your project or what you want to do you know let's say when i was in europe i i put up a proposal for a program and believe me when i calculated everything i said oh so i went to the board and said we are going to save 700 million euros so you know to save 700 million dollar euros is is not a small number but i had a big conviction that yes by doing this we can do this and having that conviction is the first step in any asset test are you convinced about what you are doing because if you are not convinced yourself and another way to look at it if you were an entrepreneur will you do it if it was your own company will you do it and i think to me in the asset test there's number one rule and, uh, and i think 50% answer comes from that so you know intuitively yes you know we got to do this now of course organizations uh, don't work like that there has to be a good business case there has to be good logic there has to be uh, you know everything falling in place so i ask a few important questions you know all the time to myself and i started that do you have a sponsor do you have a person who is willing to give you the money and if not i think uh, i tell you the project will get stuck somewhere down the line and and uh, and have you figured out uh, you know the the big picture means at the end of it how, how does it look like to you can you dream about it if not again uh, there is 
page. Uh, do you have a separate team managing it and a, and a clear uh, program manager, project manager, you know, which means looks like a very simple step, but one may realize that uh, lots of projects don't even have the project manager. And, and then, of course, a risk framework, uh, a clear monitoring, clear reporting, and things like that. But to me, uh, the, the first questions, uh, you know, which are important are the resource allocation question that is organization willing to allocate resources for this project or program and why? And what's the value one is seeking? What's the value one is driving? And are we able to communicate the value to, to get the resource? And once you get the resource, again, uh, in the choice of any project or program is that once you will develop something, let's say you develop a software, you develop hardware or whatever, eventually it'll land somewhere. It'll land into a factory or land into a field force or land into something. And then would people be able to use it? I still remember, you know, uh, once I developed a big, a big system and the challenge was that it was a, uh, uh, let's say, a big uh, application for uh, field service folks, you know. Now, the question is, has to be mobile completely. You can't expect a field service person to go in and start entering something on a PC. And, you know, I realized that the, the, the project was not working earlier before I took over because everything was based on a PC. You have to rethink completely and think of a, of a service person and say, when, he, when a service person, he or she goes to apply to service something, carrying a mobile, right? Uh, or would, lap, would leave the laptop behind in the car unless it's some diagnostics or something to not be carrying a laptop a customer like to sign something can be done on a mobile phone and invoice can be printed on a mobile phone you know so many things can be done there so the moment you start thinking from that person's standpoint then you make it a success so i think as long as you tie up both the ends one from the resource allocation standpoint which is of the organizational value and also at the user standpoint and once you tie both of them up that's where the aha moment happens because then you have figured out the entire program end to end and and uh, most of the time we don't do that because i've not done it for for lots of things because we're happy we got the money somebody has approved so let's go uh, we forget this population is going to be let's say i'm not calling the victims but uh, but let's say the users <laughs> of what we do and and if you think about them and kind of uh, you know ensure that it's, it's tied up end to end it's always a success so i i tend to keep both the ends in place anytime i i look at any problem to solve the user community and of course the you know decision making community and their goals may not be the same all the time i can tell you and that's where we come in we have to ensure that both goals are are clearly you know are managed uh, absolutely and yeah you know like looking at the decision making looking at the users and then you know tying up the resources uh, clearly uh, i you know kind of makes me reflect back on our times when uh, we said that we want to go on browser and we want to have a flexible ui right because the dealers are going to use it so absolutely. we are not going for a green screen <laughs> In fact, uh, Manish, you know, uh, let me recall one of my one of my incidents also. So there was a time when, you know, we were kind of taking analytics to the next level and investing in advanced analytics. And, you know, so we needed about maybe 320 crores. And I asked the team to build a business case. And, you know, they built a business case of what, 40 crores. And I'm like, you know, advanced analytics for, for a company of 40,000 crores. Having a business case of 40 crores, I said, I am not taking it forward unless you show me at least 1%, you know, impact on the organization. So they actually came up with a business case of 500 crores went for investment and then you know everybody kind of you know developed cold feet our planning department and uh, they said no we want business approval now who's going to take that i said no i said it so i'm going to take it so i actually went to the both the business unit head with a summary of the proposal and i also told them i said listen this is 
the investment in advanced analytics if you don't think if you are not convinced that it can make an impact on 1% of your uh, overall size don't sign it and, and actually they both signed it. so so you are right you know those people they also think differently sometimes we are afraid but but they think differently and this question is very valid right yeah absolutely and and i think the moment you you show a value of 500 crores tell me a ceo is going to say no to you absolutely <laughs> just but but the catch is it has to you have to have full conviction at the end the one has to deliver and i think there are lots of opportunities today in front of all of us as a cio community where we can find these these cases i think we are scared ourselves we are scared to talk a big numbers we are scared to rock the board or or double the apple cart and but if you're brave enough we have the conviction ourselves i think most of the time luck is in our favor and i think we have to become more brave that's what i i, I realized that we are shy we are shy people because we, we get beaten down by so many operational topics day long uh, inside out and 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 really i think that conviction and freshness of ideas sometimes uh, we are not able to bring but but more i think we keep a focus it's our role it's our job and let's not get sucked into one technology or one project or whatever and and start looking at organization again and again i think you'll find a lot of value and and i'm sure we all of us can do it every day it's it's a wonderful time to apply technology i can tell you i still feel i'm young you know i'm still 30 years old <laughs> So oh, yeah this is this is something which 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 always remains fresh so manish uh, let's move on uh, you know one of the important aspects of you know making success with anything today you know especially when you're a leader is networking you know you have to network with your stakeholders partners and everybody and uh, i remember this story that you know this head hunter called me and uh, you know just wanted to check with me uh, you know about you and one of the things <laughs> <laughs> and and you know it's like you know that uh, my warning to uh, her was you know what i know why you're calling me because you don't find him on linkedin never make that mistake manish is so well networked okay and don't 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 go by his linkedin presence so this is like you know networking without social networking is how i call it so tell us how you network i mean i know you're very well networked but but people don't see you much in conferences or in social media tell us your secret sauce of networking no it's not so secret i i do have lots of connections on linkedin it's I have close to 3000 connections so uh, it's not such a small number as well okay i'm not on so much on facebook twitter etc i don't tweet unless i get very upset by government agency or something so i think social media to me as its own uh, you know both pros and cons and uh, i'm i'm connected i i keep up i spend quite some time on linkedin uh, but yes i'm not very vocal or i'm not uh, doing a lot of uh, commenting on many posts etc which is which is a fact but i do network one on one quite a lot the lot of people and i believe in having a bit of a deeper relationships with people than a very superficial one and 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 i tell you uh, means uh, lots of people do connect with me every every month or every day so this is where uh, i believe in a lot of bespoke relationships so so uh, you know like for example not so much because of pandemic but even in a business setting i'll try to have lunch with somebody different every day you know reach out to newer people 
go. So once you have lunch with somebody, uh, it's the best time to know someone, you know. So have a coffee. So I do meet a lot of people. I'm generally uh, never saying no to any partner trying to reach out to me or having a call or whatever. And even for large conferences, I find a substitute. Normally after the conference, I'll keep a session with the same partner, maybe more one-on-one or in a smaller group, you know, to understand what's happening. But yeah, probably I'm not too much availing the free wine and dining, but, uh, but otherwise it's okay. So, so I'm networking, and but I believe not only very superficial presence, but something deeper. And also, you know, I like... One of the companies I worked in was asking the promoter, I said, uh, not many people know us. He said, many those who need to know, they know us. And they know us very well. <laughs> so I said, okay. So so I think for me also, those who need to, I uh, need to know, and those who need to know me, I think they're fairly well connected. Um, but yes, uh, and that's, to me, that's good enough to have a few few good friends. Then a lot of Facebook friends. So so I think it's, it's, a, it's a personal choice, but I believe to be making it old style a bit more personally. Yeah. Hey, no, uh, that's that's actually so important in today's world, you know, where we are trying to maximize the size of our network, right? Basically to, you know, have meaningful relationships and the social media just helps discover and, uh, you know, and, and, and also like continue that. So, but thanks for that perspective. And I think, you know, to everybody who's listening out there, if you think Manish is unapproachable, he's not. And and I know it with, with my personal experience, the number of people, he's always ready to meet and help. So now, <laughs> Manish, the last time we discuss it we had a big laugh at it actually you know when you mentioned when you mentioned that you know everybody hates IT but they want their kids to be in IT so you know it is this you know all the business guys and you know so so and I can see a lot of questions here you know about the business IT connect or versus business IT divide um, personally I hate the word business IT I would rather call it business functions and IT because IT is also another business function but yeah you know uh, tell us you did talk about it a little bit earlier but yeah just elaborate on that and of course with you know some story yeah <laughs> No, no, I think uh, when I was in uh, so-called business, because I still consider myself to be in business, you know, so I hate this word when somebody tells me that you are in IT and I'm in business, I say, hey, listen, what do you do? They say, I'm in finance. I say, okay, I'm in IT. So how is it different? Or you're in strategy and I'm in IT. How is it different? So I think first of all, the problem is we ourselves are using a lingo, which is not okay. So we need, we got to stop this. And I think the onus is on us as a community then on the other parts of the businesses because we are very happy to say this is business, this is IT, I'm IT, your business. Stop it. Okay, we are all business at the end of it and I think starts from us. That's one. So I never assume any point in time that I'm not part of business and I'm, I'm happy to, you know, portray myself. I'm not shy in a meeting uh, to talk about some business topics even if I representing technology or IT because because I may have a perspective, you know, like anybody else. So so first, I think we have to be confident in what we do. We all do a very, very, very important, uh, let's say, part of business today. And believe me, we are making far more contributions to the business today than anybody else can think. And we are a very important part of this whole story and a very important part of this whole puzzle. So first, have this, having this self-confidence is very important. Second, I think, the, I think you said it, Jigdish, uh, 
is that technology is a new function and application of technology is a newer function. We have been seeing it in the last 20, 25 years only that, you know, how technology application has taken off. And that brings a set of challenges and the expectation also. You talked about, you know, kind of asymmetry in talent and the big gorillas out there are technology partners who are creating. And I think a lot of times uh, they we also get into hype cycle, you know, and, and typically those uh, business leaders who are not so accustomed to technology, probably it's easier for them to, to get into this hype cycle. And 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 then, uh, you know, the expectations are so much. For example, you would have seen it so many times, you know, a partner would come and they would start with nice analytics dashboards, the needles moving here and there, life looking so hunky-dory. But you realize when it's going to be done, I don't know, five years, maybe six years, once your transaction system is out there. And from day one, you know, there'll be a business CEO who will think, I'm going to get this. That's what I paid the money for. So, and it's never going to happen. So there'll be a kind of dissatisfaction happening. And I think it's up to us to, to set this expectation right, uh, you know, in the beginning itself and be very clear what will be delivered, what will not be delivered and take them through the journey. And they don't hate you in that case. I remember a story, Jagdish, you know, which is, goes back to our old company. And sorry, I may narrate those stories because I'm, like you, I'm still very fond of that place. So I was starting this e-sourcing program and my boss being a very, very, very uh, wise man and somebody of very high stature. He called me and said, Manish, uh, who do you think uh, kind of uh, stopping you from doing this, you know, buying, uh, let's say, material online? So I named two people, you know, who were pretty high up in the organization. He didn't say anything, just smiled and they were very, very high up. And next I know after a week, uh, you know, his assistant calls me and say, Manish, you know, there are three tickets. You go to a conference in Singapore and I realize the other two going with those two folks. So, <laughs> so, and, and I I tell you, this was such a huge change management, uh, you know, learning for me that not, not necessarily you're trying to convince somebody, but the entire experience or the exposure part, you know, of this, uh, what technology can do to you. Uh, so what happened, we all three went to Singapore. We spent some time together. We had some fun together as well. They were pretty older than me in those days. But I think they got exposed to some concept. They talked to other leaders around the world, you know, who had done similar things. And when they came back, I think there was a change in perspective. So 80% of my job was done around change management. And I think it was the best onboarding I saw from, uh, let's say, from functional side. I won't call it business side because I, I just said, but let's say from a, from a factory and let's say had a procurement to come together. And the program became a success, I believe, just because that conference happened. And uh, sometimes you need to find those small events, you know, where there's a fear or there's a lack of education. There's a lack of understanding because it's a new thing and people are very scared. And also they're very scared that we should not just be wasting and losing a lot of money because everybody has heard a lot of horror stories as well, where a lot of IT programs have gone bad. And you already said that 80, 83% of programs fail, right? And so, so there's a lot of fear. So they're all be very skeptical and but I think as long as uh, you you have a conviction uh, you're very clear dialogue you expose them there's a change management involved in it and then I think when you form a team together uh, there's no stopping so inherently I don't believe they hate but maybe there could be a sense of jealousy maybe a little bit because it's a very fast moving function but at the end I think uh, as long as uh, there's a good dialogue good communication good understanding they come on board very fast no I think this is also a big lesson in change management 
when I remember, I think we reused the same learning somewhere else. If you remember in CRM, we asked the same question, who are going to be the biggest, uh, you know, uh, potential roadblocks to the program? And it came out to be that, you know, since we were replacing all the dealer systems with the central CRM, the, the IT guys at the dealership will be our biggest, uh, you know, threats to the system. They, they might sabotage it. And I think the next thing we did was we put them on a pedestal, right? We designed, uh, you know, a, a, a one-week training program for them, flew them to Bombay, you know, we sort of told them, you know, what kind of career stories they'll be building if they are, if they adopt this new technology and all that. And the next thing we know that, you know, all these guys were excited rather than, you know, being the threats to the program. So I guess those principles remain uh, similar. So let me uh, move on, uh, Manish, uh, to the next one. Um, see, when we were in CRM, we had a lean team of about five people, but 20 times a team member from vendors. Okay? Well, <laughs> after you left, I increased the team size. Same thing happened uh, next time. So this is one thing, you know, where uh, we differ is in terms of the size of the team. So, you know, I have been a proponent of, you know, being accountability inside and having team members who will basically manage it all. Whereas uh, I think you, I know you, you are, you believe in a very lean team and, you know, working more strategically with partners and all. And, you know, at least personally, I want to learn that secret sauce of how do you keep it lean and how do you, how do you still keep it accountable? And and, and that brings to us the, the big question around asymmetry of talent and, you know, uh, and, 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 and how do you leverage the partner network? No, I think uh, there's no one one answer. When I was in Europe, I was running a very large team as well. Uh, you know, fairly large team, but a lot of partners as also. But the setup was very big. And then uh, I think in the other organizations, my team has been very small. I've been running some very large programs as well. So I think both the models work. But uh, the the big thing is that uh, the needs in IT are changing every time. This technology which is changing as well, and uh, and uh, and that calls for very different skills, you know, year after year after year. What happens is if you have a very large team, especially in an enterprise setup, you block a lot of money for the team itself. And and when you need to spend something, everything looks incremental. So, so what happens, and sometimes you realize that the same team may not appreciate uh, new things because because uh, they are accustomed to, to something. And, and they become the roadblock uh, themselves. And uh, so uh, I'm not saying everybody is in the same board, but but generally that's what I found out. So there's some roles. So if you look at uh, you know the team composition and you look at what we do, let's say you're creating a product of any kind, hardware, software, application, whatever. Then there's going to be application of that product in the organization and uh, where people are going to use it. So you need a set of people who are going to manage the product and who are also going to deploy it in the organization. That's where the organizational skills are required. They need to know the context. They need to know the people. They need to know everything. But as far as the technology part is is there, I think it can easily be you know be contributed by the partner network because they're better equipped at it all the time. And and so I believe that. If you look at anything, you have to decide how much of that is going to be something internal in terms of the value part and how much of it's going to be, uh, you know, the uh, coming from external perspective. Let's say you want to deploy a blockchain project today. Now, I doubt whether there'll be skills around blockchain in any enterprise IT team. Absolutely. So it's not possible. It's a new thing. Or let's say you want to dabble into quantum computing. I'm trying to do something around that. So for any new area, if I have to start some 
something, I have to get some skills which are not with us. Now, the key here, Jigdish, which I always believe is you have to make them look like very inclusive, you know, and and uh, it's like one is calling for a party, but second is asking them to dance. So I think we get to dance together and not only be, be joining a party, you know. So and, and the moment you set up those mechanics, I think uh, it starts looking like one team. So the creation of a team is becomes very important where you may have a couple of guys who know the organization, who know the context, who are able to navigate it. And, and the folks who really know what to be done. And as long as you make it one team, I think it flies very well. If you try to put a team where they are trying to manage the people who know everything, then it becomes very sequential. And that's where the frustration happens. I think as long as we make it uh, uh, more, uh, let's say, seamless and more in a in a, uh, in a a circle, let's say it, I think the teams work very well. The, the question will be, how do you how do you get the right skills and put them all together, make it very inclusive and make it part of, you know, look like one team. And I think uh, uh, we did it many a time. And uh, I think we should not start differentiating once you are in a project or something, your own people versus the people coming from partners. Because they all are, you know, uh, for the same cause. And the moment anybody starts understanding that, yes, they're working for the same cause, magic happens. And uh, and uh, I, I remember, you know, a long time back when we were doing a project, uh, you know, even a small order or configurator, I would not call them small because they are very important, but a new member of the team will join in a large team. Typically, I would spend first time explaining the project. You know, so the project manager once asked me, why you spend money so much of time explaining all the big things? And it was the same presentation I'd made to the board. I said, you know what? When you get people to work on a home and if they don't know how the home is going to look like, they think they are, they are working on a wall or they're working for the floor. But if they know they are building a home, I think it's a different motivation altogether. So many times, it's our fault we don't give the big picture you only tell them nuts and bolts and and there's no motivation for people to work and i think this is this is where we need to step up in my view to give them a big picture and make them as motivated they may be making a small part of the entire home but finally they're all making a home you know and not only a wall or, or painting a door or painting a wall yeah no in fact uh, so true manish in fact i recently about a week back i posted a video about how to leverage experts which is like you know clarify the context you know tell more about yourself and what you want to do for them to contribute their best and I think you know it's not just for experts it's for everybody it's right from everybody who's part of it and I think this communication is a very important part of inclusion right you can't be inclusive without communicating uh, what you want and what's the bigger picture isn't it absolutely absolutely and that's why one needs to invest in OG you know and uh, let's not take it for granted because everybody comes to work to succeed in my view so so it's all about how we engage them and harness the energy, you know. There's so much of energy all around and I think if you're able to harness and channelize, the magic happens. Yes. Sometimes by organizations, we are structured and wired up to stop this energy flowing, you know. We create structure, we create team, we create them in silos, we give them roles. And if you see at the end of it, all of this is to stop energy from flowing. And why I tend to believe that leaner the teams are and more people who are bringing their own perspective, contribution very clearly the energy flows very well there's a seamlessness of energy you know and 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 that's where we get the best yeah and i think, no, I think but but uh, but that's how i i see the equation no uh, you're so right and you know like i am now conceptualizing that you know a leader's job is to break these walls and you know these uh, what do you call it, uses to let the energy flow uh, and then bring that inclusivity yeah you know I, I can reflect that you know wherever whichever it programs you were doing or we had done even you know when you were in the CI 
Rayo and I was in CRM. Like, you know, we were always, you know, just first form that one team, okay? Get everybody on the same plane and then only you can really uh, go together. People are in different, different, uh, you know, levels of thought and you can't succeed. So, and I, this again, you know, takes me back to our CRM days, if you remember. We were telling this big vision that we had told our senior, senior leaders. We were going out and telling these to each and every dealer. I remember I used to travel to each and every state capital and communicating the same deck to all the dealers and field managers. Yeah, probably one of the ways to align and make it inclusive. Yeah. Gotcha. So Manish, uh, yeah. So Manish, there are lots of audience questions, great engagement. So, but before I go there, let me ask you uh, this last question. I have always seen you like, you know, always up to date with technology and always being very passionate about it. Hey, I am your podcast host, Jagdish Belwal. I had a rich career as CIO at Tata Motors and GE. Now, as an advisor, I help organizations transform with technology. Technology is necessary for digital transformation, but not sufficient. So I help organizations with the rest of it. Leadership, strategy, culture, change management, etc. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter. For now, keep listening and don't forget to subscribe the podcast and do connect with me on LinkedIn. For me, it's very simple. Uh, you know, I have I believe in micro learning myself. So I have a good Udemy account, Udacity, and also EDX, etc. I enroll in multiple courses. When there's a sale, I buy them in bulk and you know, start dabbling into small things. I read, and luckily, uh, you know, in in my position, I can talk to a lot of influential people who have done something and get to know uh, one-on-one. You know, uh, some sessions and uh, get a lot of learning. I'm not scared to go to uh, an expert who might be very junior in hierarchy and ask them him or her to explain to me something and as long as you're humble about it and as long as you think that uh, we should not feel shy and I have to tell you a story and that resonates with me probably I got it very early in my life my father used to work in a government department you know and we were in we were kids in class 9 or my brother was class 7 and one day we came home and the computers had just started that time so I used to have a book saying ABC of computers and something which was telling about hardware. So one day he came and said, Manish, what is a CPU? So I opened my book and explained to him the CPU. And I asked him, why are you asking this question? So he said, you know what? And he was in a fairly high position in government of India. So he said, you know, there was a big presentation to the entire ministry and a company came and said, you know, what they said is our computers have CPUs and everybody nodded. Hmm. Like, you know, big boys, you know. They, and he said, nobody understood what a CPU is. But he was humble enough to understand what a PC is. Is what what a CPU is, what a keyboard is, and and you know different things. Next time when there was a meeting, it looks like he was a star because he knew what a CPU means. So so I think uh, we should not uh, always nod heads that we understand and be humble about it, saying okay we don't know. Maybe somebody a kid may know about it. So let's go to Imran and ask the question and learn rather than trying to say that we know it all. So I think humility goes a long way uh, and acceptance that today's generation is far more learned in technology than what we are. Uh, and, you know, and I think let's learn. And uh, we also know a few things. So let's collaborate. But uh, but that's my philosophy for learning, at least. And I try to follow it and pick up things from anybody who is willing to teach me. Yeah. So that reminds me, uh, Manish, of, you know, this concept of reverse mentoring, where you pick up, you know, younger team member who's very adept with some of these technologies and then you learn from it. So uh, I remember once, uh, you know, the CEO asked me, uh, that, you know, he wants to use Twitter. 
so first thing we had a you know a good discussion on you know why someone should use twitter or not and and, and i thankfully i had used it before to have some perspective on it i said but how do i use it and i just looked around his office and i found the youngest guy and i said you know what you please spend like 15 minutes every day with with, with him and, and you know you will learn how to use twitter <laughs> And, and you know, I think people at uh, senior levels are humble, but humility is a very important uh, you know, aspect for learning anything. Absolutely. We so, have, uh, can do we have time for some questions, Sigdis? How do you want to take it? Yeah, we have about five ten minutes, so I hope we can stretch for maybe another few minutes. So Manish, if I'm, you're I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Oh, I'm good. Yeah, so it's our show, so we can we can stretch it, and uh, it was the recording will be available. So if anybody's short of time, they can watch it later. Yeah, so so there's a question from Uditya Pal. Hi Uditya, it is about how important it is to it is to have a business aligned with IT initiatives. How you do you approach it? I think uh, Manish talked about the asset test, and I think that should answer that question. Let me go forward as a group CIO of large conglomerate. Will you invest in technology or the vision? This is from Simar Preet Singh, Manish. That's a very, very interesting question, Simmer. Thanks for asking this because, um, you know, why it's so tricky is it's very difficult to foresee the vision completely and especially the strategy part. A lot of people say that let IT follow the strategy. I don't believe in it. Reason is by the time you follow, it's already too late. So the question is, how do you start creating the Lego blocks of technology? So anytime the way vision emerges, you're ready for it. You're ready to execute. You're ready to respond. And that's why I'm a very firm believer in setting up a few platforms for a large conglomerate so that we can adapt very quickly and 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 don't make it hard-coded, but keep it flexible like Lego blocks where you may create any shape whenever the need comes in and you can respond to it. For example, let's say if you look at capabilities, every organization would like to have some capabilities, you know, whether it's on supply chain side, customer experience, even things like blockchain, even even employee side, you know, many, many areas. And if you bank up those technologies or those capabilities, you can deploy them in the, in the way vision hub, in the way uh, let's say conglomerate may get into a new area, you know. So if you have your competencies in cloud, you have a competency Competencies to rapidly develop applications. You've got the components on e-commerce. You've got the components of customer experience. You can very easily assemble them and uh, and help a business come out very very quickly. It can be brick and mortar business. It could be a new edge, uh, you know, complete uh, new business uh, on internet itself. But it could be a management school, you know. So so, so we uh, we just opened a management school, and I uh, believe me, we use most of the components which are there with us already. So so the question is that how do you how do you respond to a changing need? How do you respond to either a business model coming up or new business coming up or some other need coming up? So keep the Lego blocks ready. Don't make it hard-coded, but keep them in a way that they're already being used, but you are ready to reuse them. Okay. So I think that's the key and that's what I, I believe in. But thanks for this question. Yeah. I think it's a very good question. So it's a very important question. And I think, you know, just to add my two cents to it, it's also about the product mindset that, you know, you look at everything yeah. from a point of view of reuse. You know, typically, I think uh, this is one uh, issue that I've seen people get into that you know you do a you do a project for a particular purpose and then you then you know you start the next project and you just you have you have really forgotten about all the other things that you've done i think before we uh, you know try before we do something new we really need to look back into a repository what can i reuse and therefore then you know when you build it you have to build it for reuse that means you know in terms Absolutely. of documentation. can i go 
one step further, then you build the repository, build with the idea that you're going to reuse each and every component. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and don't uh, make it be accidental. And that's where you need to think of some very basic building blocks, your, your, you know, your integration architectures, API architectures, your data repositories, you know, and things like that. So, so I think now in technology, the, uh, the architecture, which is to me the thought process of a CIO, becomes very, very, very handy. Uh, we cannot start implementing IT in any setup just by, you know, starting an application project or something. We need to start thinking architecture and some basic building blocks, you know, around 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 APIs, around uh, other key competencies and key capabilities and keeping as a repository and trying to assemble them together. So uh, we are trying to become an IKEA shop and uh, I think it's a, it's a DIY kind of a thing and more we are able to do it and these components, I think we can create any shape and any size or whatever. So, yeah. and, and I think that's where I believe the world is moving also. Yeah, that's right. The whole API, uh, you know, stuff is nothing but a new. In fact, you know, I was like smiling ear to ear when you were talking about the building blocks and, you know, the architecture and all. If you remember, you know, the kind of turf battles we used to have with our system integrator way back, you know, in terms of how to architect our product structure and stuff like that. And we were like, no, you know, 10 years later, it should still work. And they're like, no, this is faster to do and, you know, it will last you three years. And no. <laughs> okay. So let me, let me move on to uh, the other uh, question. So this is, this question is from Mane. He says that, you know, there's a big proliferation of cloud and there's a technology changing at a fast rate so how do you manage the complexity that comes proliferation of cloud yeah i think uh, to me cloud is something like you know like i've worked in automotive as well as energy so i can tell you if you look at you follow these industries so let's say 100 years back uh, not too far back in detroit there were more than 2000 auto companies, you know, who were making cars. If you look at electricity, you know, where it started, everybody had their own power plant, a small one. And if you see a power factor of, let's say, the home generator you carry, it's around 15. You go to a very large size power plant, it operates 85, 90, 95, you know. So by definition, they're more, more efficient and they're more uh, economical. I think same goes for computing, that the hyperscale computing is by default, is far more efficient, is far more effective. And it's a question of when and how and not a question of if we need to go there or not. Still, you may keep, uh, let's say, in energy, a small transformer near your home. So you may have something on the edge, uh, which will help you to do some computing, you know, locally. And everybody has those equipments, even at home for energy. But uh, still, you draw most of your energy from very large power plants. So so I'm sure we are going to all draw energy from computing resources from a cloud. Now, and also, you know, a lot of times when it comes to security questions, so it's like keeping a locker at your home versus keeping a locker in your bank. I tell you, locker in a bank is far more secure than keeping a locker at your home because even your maid may know your password, I can tell you. So this is, I think, uh, to me, it's, uh, is there. I think question is, as CIO community, how do you manage the chain? How do you convince people? How do you make them aware? But but to me, I think uh, it's going there very rapidly. And I have no doubt that uh, this question will be behind us in a few years. We won't be even asking this question whether we should go to cloud or not to cloud because there is no choice. I'm a very firm believer that it will go there. Yeah, I remember uh, Manish, you know, way back again, you know, those times when we were setting up that central CRM. I used to have one slide which used to have a power plant photo here and a small genset 
photo and mm-hmm. I used to take the dealers and looking at their face, I used to tell them that, listen, you have gensets and we want to give you a power plant. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll pick up some random questions, not really going in a sense. How is it different to engage with large OEMs and enterprise IT setup? How do you decide uh, with whom uh, an enterprise IT startup? So it's uh, how do you decide with whom to work? Large OEMs versus enterprise IT startup? This is the question from Amrinder. I think they both add their own values. So we should not discard one for the sake of other. So you need large tech players because they give you some very solid piece of technology which requires a lot of upfront investment you know, to create something. But at the same time, I think one would like to use a lot of startups who are typically getting into a very niche area, a specific domain. And now you know that startups are going very vertical. They're not stopping at technology only, but they want to take the full domain. And that's been the, you know, uh, something uh, culture or trend I'm seeing in the Valley, uh, especially where uh, startups start small, but gets full vertical and they don't stop at tech only. So I think they both bring in their, their value. Question is, uh, how do you engage with both of them? There's a different life cycle though to engage with uh, entrepreneurs because uh, first they are starved of funds. They don't have so much of resources. They don't have so much of bandwidth. You cannot push them in front of your procurement guys. So you have to be very careful not to suck all the energy and enthusiasm. You know, if you're a large conglomerate, so you have to handhold them. And uh, and that's a part which I think as enterprise CIOs, we have to be very, very, very aware of that. Uh, you know, you need to talk to startups in a very different way model has to be different. Big techs are they're kind of used to working with large corporates, so they know very well, you know, how to how to deal. They know how to navigate. So, so I think there is a different level of uh, uh, different type of engagement you have with them. But to me, both are very important part of the puzzle, and they both bring different set of perspectives. But for example, if I have to do something on IoT. Uh, for a basic, uh, let's say, IoT platform, I may go with a very large partner or tech partner, but on top of it, for specific algorithms around solving specific problems, let's say around energy or transportation or maintenance or quality, I may still go to a lot of startups who would have done some wonderful things, uh, you know, by creating those innovative solutions. And I'll like to give them a chance as well. So, so, but, but for infrastructure part, the big pieces, I'll have to go to big techs. But for innovation part, I think we have to look at two speed here completely. Yeah. So, you know, this reminds me of this uh, base layer model where, you know, you have this pieces which are core to you, you know, your infrastructure, ERP, and then you have, you know, some of your differentiating pieces like, you know, your supply chain, your CRM and all that, and you have the innovation pieces. So as you go up, the, the your risk-taking ability should be higher and higher. A, a very important question, uh, Manish, about, about uh, Shadow IT. It says, uh, today with cloud, the BUs choose to launch their campaigns on cloud, leading to Shadow IT. What challenges the CIO would face to convince the BUs to opt out of Shadow IT and not cause this conflict? Yeah. I think uh, I slightly differ on this wording itself called IT and shadow IT. And I think somewhere we tend to monopolize this IT. As IT department or CIO, we think IT is something we should only be doing. And nobody else has a right to do this. And that's like monopoly over IT and the, anybody else who does it, we call it shadow IT. The question is, maybe they want something uh, and nowadays uh, they have resources to do it. They can go on to cloud. They may catch hold of somebody. They may deploy someone. Fine, it's okay. You can't say, please don't do this if it makes sense. So I guess there are some new mechanisms in today's world we need to set up 
SEOs, and I've tried to do a few things which I can share with the audience. One is everything which is being done for the sake of business is legitimate. That's one. So let's stop calling anything a shadow or illegitimate or something. Now, the risk could be around security. The risk could be around not proper standards, etc., etc., which is always a challenge. So, for example, in my last organization, I had a certification program where I said, guys, you're free to do anything, but at the end, there's a small team that would certify, you know, this particular application. And it's important because if you find any uncertified, it's like something inside. So we said something is inside it, which means certified. So we used to create a small logo, you know, that it means certified. At the moment, certified, it means certified for security, it means certified certain standards, but it doesn't matter. Let anybody develop it. But at the end, it has to be certified. And we said, listen, guys, if you develop these applications onto the platforms, which I propose, by default, they're certified. Okay, so you don't need to go through a huge uh, process of getting a certification. So there's an incentive to, to come to, you know, what you call enterprise platforms. Then for cloud, again, uh, you can, you know, wrap your arms around and say, hey, guys, uh, you can talk to the cloud provider and say, you can tell business to go through me for cloud, you know, at least have an enterprise agreement where anybody can, but don't stop them from going to cloud. So I think we can put enough control points around it to say, if you go to cloud, at least I'm aware what data is hosted on the cloud because the enterprise property. Second, if you want to develop an application, okay, let me certify it for security at, at least, you know, at the end. And, and then the dialogue starts happening and they realize, you know what, these guys are not trying to be monopolistic. They're not a department of no. So you know, a lot of time people say, you guys are department of no. We ask you anything, you say no. Okay, first thing is no. First thing is, oh, this software cannot do this, or this cannot be done, or that cannot be. I think you have to get out of that mindset. And it's our own change because we are so much time, so many times you get into this idea of controlling everything and trying to be monopolistic and that everybody else is a shadow white. So I think we have to now find a way. I call it multi-channel IT, anything, or let's say multi-group IT or IT proliferation, even at the consumer and whatever, but let's find better words than calling it shadow IT. The more we call shadow IT, more we'll get isolated as a community. And I think uh, we need to find different ways of uh, completely working. And because the demand is so much, everybody needs it. Uh, we cannot fulfill it. So it, like, it looks like, you know, Indian railways. Where there's so much of demand, but all the bogies are full. Everybody's scrambling for finding a reservation. And, and then, uh, you know, uh, we cannot be in that state. You have to privatize it. You have to open it up. You have to say, guys, please uh, go ahead and do it. We'll find a way for you. No, I think that's a that's a that's a that's a great perspective, Manish. Uh, that is nothing called shadow IT. I, I would rather call it a federated IT. Right? Yeah. The federal government. You find a I trust on you. Maybe you. Why don't you find a good name? I'm, I'm going to take it from you and we'll, we'll call it that name. You know. So <laughs> I think it's important that as a community we find a good name. And, yeah. uh, and I hate this shadow IT concept itself. Somebody is doing it right. <laughs> So what's the big deal? Yeah, in fact, uh, you know, I think I, I also had the same approach and, uh, you know, I would, in fact, uh, I remember there was one, uh, you know, there's this whole host of calibration challenges of tools, right? You know, in each plant, there are about 40,000 tools, you know, these various, right, from those shock wrenches to, you know, these, uh, you know, one-year cal- 
developers and all of that and everything requires a calibration either once a month or once in three months and we never had a solution for that I know. so somebody in uh, Jamshedpur actually developed something on MS Access and knowing that you know <laughs> that I have a, this this open approach they kind of showed it to me and I said why don't we productize it you know, instead of MS Access the whole you have done the entire logic you have done the entire database model you know why don't we just put it like on a server where the entire where all the seven plants can use it so you know we have to sort of promote that that innovation uh, flair in the company. the model of co-option has to be developed we have to co-op people because uh, and not compete with them not stop them not feel threatened not feel insecure I think we have to start facilitating in the right way example I'm a big proponent of a low code platform I want more and more people to develop applications so why only uh, some some people should develop it right so I'll rather make it and give them give a platform to everybody saying guys develop the application only for security and UI UX brand purposes but I'm not going to control many things there was a question on uh, low code platform so before I ask you have answered hey just in the interest of time you know I would uh, wrap, wrap it up in the next few minutes so I have this habit of taking notes uh, so I'll just recap some of it so some snippets that I captured was that you know stay just to organization priorities and you will always succeed take up the big ideas don't stop it just because if it is big because you know whether it's a 2 crore or 50 crore <laughs> the process is similar but if you have a 50 crore idea probably the guys it will go to will have a different way of thinking and you might uh, bypass bureaucracy and that exactly happened with us in CRM as well yeah. so um, yeah you know this asset test of program I think there are some basic questions that we need to ask you know whether it's a sponsor there's a there's resource allocation properly are the people who are going to be affected by it you know are they really going to use it or not so these are some genuine questions which we need to ask before uh, really jumping into something on networking yes it was deeper relationship with people more meaningful uh, relationship than just going by the plain vanilla social network on the you know relationship with the business I think very good point about having the right lingo setting the expectations you know identifying who are your you know sort of roadblocks or detractors and then and then taking them through an experience you know which, which just changes their mindset right so instead of like having to put them through some change management program especially at a especially at a decision maker yeah that's right many of the programs uh, have got conceptualized like that yeah I, I think another you know um, I'm finding very I would say principle driven answers there rather than the hack do this this way do it this way but how do you think about so in terms of the team size you know very clearly that you know people who are going to be having those dialogues or who are going to be working the organization should be with you but you know where things are changing the technologies are changing you know those are where you should leverage the ecosystem yeah humility to uh, keep learning follow the vision or strategy you know follow the vision create lego blocks of technology create reusability in the enterprise and then you know so that you are able to stitch be able to spawn solutions out of what already exists with you into anything knew that the business wants to do and I think I really love and I'm seeing those uh, you know comments here about your views on shadow IT that there's nothing called shadow IT you need to find a new word and you know some innovative approaches like you know uh, like like certifying solutions found by others <laughs> uh, but great uh, dialogue Manish I must say that you know this kind of focused one hour technology only dialogue we also have uh, haven't had so it's been a learning for uh, me too thank you so much for coming on this show Wow, what a spirited discussion with Manish. I loved it. I hope you too loved it. If yes, do subscribe to the Clarity Chat podcast available on all major podcasting platforms. Well, 
Next week, we will have Vijay Ramachandran, a journalist turned author, researcher and storyteller with us. Do you know that he is the one who conducts the research I cite in the Purpose of Clarity chat? To help lift up the 17% ROI success rate in technologies to a much higher level. So, watch out for our next Clarity chat with Vijay Ramachandran, former editor, CIO magazine, researcher and storyteller.